Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. It's Thursday, March the 30th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And we're actually going to start off with some health news today because an inquest has been told how a Dover man was let down by mental health services in the months before his death. A coroner's ruled there were missed opportunities by professionals to contact 25-year-old Ben Hart before he took his own life in October last year. He was under the care of the NHS Kenton Medway Social Care Partnership Trust at the time. Now they have apologised and say they fell short on this occasion. A statement adds they've taken action to address issues found during an investigation. Elsewhere, an elderly man has been left waiting for more than two days in accident and emergency at a Kent hospital as pressure on the NHS continues. 79-year-old Geoffrey Nell spent 55 hours in a chair at the QEQM in Margate after being diagnosed with pneumonia. His son says staff were clearly overwhelmed. East Kent Hospitals Trust has been contacted for a comment. Well, just last month, only 40% of patients were seen within four hours at QEQM and the William Harvey in Ashford, the worst on record for East Kent Hospitals, which runs the site. Now, all this comes as the results of a survey show that public satisfaction with the NHS has dropped to its lowest ever level. The British Social Attitudes Survey has been running for the past 40 years. Just 29% of people in England, Scotland and Wales say they're happy with the way the health service runs. Now, that figure stood at 70% back in 2010. Dr Julian Spinks is a GP in Medway and he's been speaking to Jadzia from our colleagues at KMTV. Why do you think that so many people are dissatisfied? I think it comes down to something very simple and that is things like waiting times to get a GP appointment or an outpatient appointment um, are longer than they should be. Uh, waiting times for operations, we are struggling to get that back on track after COVID stopped operations for months. Um, and so understandably, and re- I, I you know, feel that they have a right to be unhappy that they're not getting the service. It's nice to hear that people actually tend to blame the service rather than just the people who work in it, because certainly my experience is doctors, nurses and all the other stuff are working incredibly hard to try and keep it going and to make it better. It must be very exhausting as a GP yourself to hear constant reports about how unhappy people are with the NHS service when, like you said, the, the people on the ground are working so hard. Well, yeah, we've actually seen a situation where the number of GP uh, consultations has gone up by about 15% in the last 12 months. Uh, and yet people say we're not sort of working hard enough. The other thing is the number of GPs has gone down by about 7%. So there are fewer people doing more work. Um, and that is a big challenge. We're getting to the point where we cannot meet demand. And that pushes waiting times up. And we've got to find a way out of this. And it's partly about recruiting more doctors. But importantly, keeping people in the profession because people are getting burnt out and leaving. And of course, once they leave, then they can't provide care to patients. Well, that was going to be my next question. What What is the actual issue and what can be done to solve it? But this is something that we have discussed so many times about how to keep doctors here in the profession. What is it that makes you stay? I actually love uh, working with patients and so on. Uh, but I have to say, you know, I love that part of the work. I don't particularly like the job that it's in because of the fact bureaucracy is there and because um, 
People are working longer and longer hours to try and keep things going. And you can do that for a short period of time, but actually eventually people start to burn out and say, I can't take this anymore. So they cut their hours down or in some cases leave. Young doctors are looking and saying, well, actually I can be paid for more for smaller numbers of hours in countries like Australia. And so they think, well, why should I stay in England? We've got to correct all of that. It's not going to be something that happens overnight, but we've got to start to make it be attractive again to stay on. For anyone who doesn't know, what would a typical work week look like for you? Well, when I do a full day, um, it starts at about 7.30 in the evening and it finishes about 7 in the evening. So it's, so it's about 11 and a half hours. 7.30 in the morning. So, so 7 morning, yeah, and then finishes the evening. So 7 and a half hours. Uh, the, uh, but I have colleagues who take work home and are sitting there doing paperwork up to 11 o'clock at night. Uh, because they cannot get all of that in and see the patients they need to see during the day. So it's a very tough day. I don't know anybody who takes a lunch break these days. You're, you're sitting eating a sandwich whilst tapping on the computer. So uh, it, it's full on. It means that lots of people can't work five days a week because it's actually too much. You're looking at you know, working 60 hours plus. So they cut down the hours and then we get accused of only working part time. What would you say to anyone who is dissatisfied at the moment with the NHS? Because we, we do know there are issues with waiting times, with people not getting the treatment that they need. What would you say to someone who is currently experiencing that? I hate to say you have to bear with us a little bit. We can't suddenly turn it around. We can't bring forward everybody's appointment at hospital or whatever. However, if you're deteriorating, if you're getting worse, it's really affecting you, go back to your GP and we can perhaps write and uh, ask the hospital to bring the appointment forward. Kent Online News. We've got some crime news now and two men have been charged following a stabbing in Hawkinge. A man was flown to a London hospital after being found injured at a house on Page Road last Friday night. A 38-year-old from Folkestone and 36-year-old from Cranbrook have been remanded in custody. Police are trying to find a witness who's thought to have filmed a woman being attacked in Herne Bay. The victim was repeatedly punched by a man she knew after opening the door of a parked car on Mortimer Street on Monday. A 32-year-old's been arrested. A Chatham man has been charged following a police chase in Rochester. There were delays around the Maidstone Road after the vehicle eventually came to a stop at Longley Road last Friday morning. A 35-year-old has appeared in court accused of nine offences in total, including dangerous driving and assaulting a police officer. Two men have been arrested after containers were broken into at a business in Cuxton. Police were called on Tuesday night and CCTV showed the premises had also been targeted the previous evening. An Ashford drug dealer who took so much cocaine he couldn't control his van has avoided being sent to prison. Alan Grady was arrested after crashing into the kerb on Victoria Road. A search found drugs hidden in his socks. The 42-year-old from Portland Close will have to do 200 hours of unpaid work. Now, owners are being warned to keep a very close eye on their pets as Kent is named a dog theft hotspot. 177 cases were reported across the county last year. American Bulldogs, Staffordshire Bull Terriers and French Bulldogs were the most common breeds targeted. Despite the amount of cases, there's still no specific crime for pet theft, with stolen dogs treated like other stolen property. Well, Wayne May is a pet detective from Dartford and has been speaking to reporter Kate Faulkner. Can you give me an outline? Why why are dogs being stolen? Purely for monetary um, gain. Um, you know, people stealing your dogs from your garden, your parks or your vehicles, um, and what they're hoping is that you post a reward um, and they're capitalising on your grief. Um, sadly, members of the public are parting with their money to get their beloved pets back. Um, some dogs are stolen for breeding. 
Um, and the, the puppies are then sold, you know, for a considerable amount of money, uh, which is quite lucrative for the criminals, um, you know, because we haven't yet um, got an enforceable law where, you know, they're expected to get a prison sentence. If they get caught, they're, all they're going to do is get a slap on the wrist. How many dogs are recovered or returned to their owners? Um, at the moment, um, again, if I can refer back to Direct Line Group and Pet Insurance, um, they just released some stats to us uh, kindly. So uh, we're looking around one in four um, dogs that are actually recovered that are stolen. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it, it's a very poor average at the moment. Um, so, um, you know, we, we need um, Parliament to enforce these laws um, and the Sentencing Council to pass this down to the police forces so they can act on the intelligence that people like myself and other organisations and volunteers across the UK supply to them. Because at the moment, if I understand it correctly, there are no specific laws. So if a dog is stolen, it's treated as just another lost personal item of property. Is that right? The easiest way to explain it is if your dog's stolen, it, it currently in law, it's, it's like having your push bike stolen. And obviously you would like to see laws put in. If you thought that if the laws were tougher, it would be a deterrent for people to steal their dog, to steal dogs. Yes, certainly. Um, what I'd like to say to sentencing council really is um, spend a day with me or put yourself in my shoes. You know, every single day I deal with people that are victims of pet theft in general. Um, and they, they really need to see what's happening. Uh, they need to see the impact, the distress um, that it causes, the, the heartache. Um, children not going to school for a week because they miss their beloved pet. Um, you know, I've even had cases where dog owners have contemplated or tried to commit suicide. Um, is one person committing suicide, you know, it's got to be worth review, reviewing the laws to have this stopped. The sentences are not stiff enough um, and they need to be reviewed and, in my view, urgently. Kent Online reports. This is one of our most read stories on the site today and a shop in Ashford's been criticised as pictures show raw meat being transported next to groceries in the back of an unrefrigerated van. Food hygiene inspectors have visited Store 93 following a complaint about deliveries and also found meat being stored in open packets instead of sealed containers. They've been given a one-star rating. The owner says he's shocked by the report and is working to make the necessary improvements. You can see those images today by heading to the website. Again, MPs had an urgent meeting over the failure to open a GP surgery in a new development. Building work at St Peter's Village started in 2017 and it'll have a thousand homes when complete. Tracy Crouch says there have been concerns for some time over a lack of access to doctors. Another nearby facility has had to close its books to new patients because it's full. Elsewhere, concerns have been raised about plans for a so-called super surgery near Dartford. Three medical centres are set to merge to form a new site on Steel Avenue in Greenhithe, serving 20,000 people. But it's feared not everyone would be able to reach it on foot, especially because of how hilly the area is. The people behind it say the facility is needed to cope with increased demand from new housing. And a housing estate near Sittingbourne could finally be getting a village shop following a 17-year wait. When the Great East Hall development was first planned in 2006, it
that included space for retail, a school and a medical centre, but none of the facilities have ever materialised. Residents say they're the victims of a series of broken promises. However, a shop that sells essentials like eggs, milk and bread is set to be trading by the summer. Next today, a woman has been made commander of a Kent lifeboat for the first time in the station's 100-year history. Heather Crittenden's been part of the RNLI for the past 11 years and is now at the helm of the Atlantic 85 at Littlestone on Romney Marsh. And she's been telling me how she hopes to inspire others. It's fantastic that that we've got a female commander on station now. Um, I'm really glad it's me. Um, uh, It would be brilliant to get more females involved um, as well. So my next challenge is to see if I can get an all-female crew get some more females on station. Tell us about your RNLI journey then. When did you decide to to join up as a volunteer? Um, So I've been on station around 10 years now. Um, I went along, my husband's part of the the crew, um, and I went along when a shout was happening. Um, And I asked all the right questions apparently and the next week I was put on an acquaintance trip and, and and it's gone from there really. So how do you manage to juggle being in the the crew with family life because I mean you never know when you're going to get a call do you how does it all fit in Uh, well my husband's incredibly understanding obviously he understands um lifeboat life and how it all works um the kids understand it as well um even when they were toddlers they'd have bags at the door when mummy's pager went we'd get in the car and go to station so they're all part of it as well it's a family thing so tell us a bit about your new role then what are you in charge of doing when that call comes in so now the commander um, my role is to be in charge of the boat what happens when we go to sea um, making the decisions on how we conduct the rescue or the search or um, whatever it is we're tasked to do and making sure that my crew are safe and bringing everyone home safely obviously Kent is a very busy coastline um tell us a bit about some of the more memorable things that, that you've done uh, we do lots of shouts we do around 50 shouts a year now um and we go out to all sorts of different things um Probably one of the most memorable ones would be um, a, a paddleboarder um, lady with her toddler on the paddleboard um, just off of Hythe who couldn't get back to shore um, and going out and getting them, getting them safe was probably the best shout I've done. And you said there about encouraging more um, women to join the RNLI. I mean, I, I suppose a lot of people don't realise that you are all volunteers, aren't you? How, how much commitment does it take? There is a lot of commitment to it. Um, There's a lot of training, um, but there's also a lot of different roles on station. So we've got tractor drivers, shore crew. We have a shop that has volunteers, fundraising. So there's lots of different roles, depending on how much time you can give. Um, And yeah, it's great to just be involved in it, I think. Kent Online reports. A weather warning for strong winds on part of the Kent coast comes into force tonight. Forecasters say gusts in and around Lyd could reach up to 60 miles per hour. The yellow alert is until midday tomorrow. People living in part of Dartford have complained about noisy roadworks going on outside their homes until midnight. Residents, including children, have been kept up this week because of pothole repairs in St Vincent's Road. The county council say letters were sent out in advance and the work had to be carried out at night because the road is so busy during the day. You can head to the trending section of the website today to read about how last summer's drought and heat wave has had a major impact on our butterflies. A new studies found the number of familiar and countryside species was greatly reduced after the plants they need to survive died out in the extreme weather. It's predicted to have a knock-on effect, meaning there'll be fewer butterflies this season. Conservationists say work needs to be done to ensure they can survive the impacts of climate change. We've got some showbiz news for you now and Ollie Mers has 
told our sister radio station KMFM he'd love Austin Butler to play him in a movie about his life. Honestly, I walked down the street the other day and someone stopped me and they asked me if I was Austin Butler. <gasps> I did. Did I'm you thank it? No, I believed you. <laughs> I believed you. Are you mad? You think I'm like Austin Butler? No. You've got the cheekbones, um, the hair. Now he's definitely my crush at the moment. My my man. Your crush. man crush. I'm obsessive. Yeah, I'm obsessive with Austin Butler. I think he's just oh, a very good looking man. Can you do a I good? Love, I love him. I loved him in Elvis. I was going to say, could you do a good Elvis impression? Uh-huh. Oh, you got the lip going. <laughs> Ollie was on KMFM Breakfast with Gary and Chelsea earlier and also chatted about his upcoming wedding. We want to try and do something that's like really out, really out the box. Yeah. Something that people wouldn't expect or we wouldn't expect to do. We just don't want to do the same, like, just go to some romantic, exotic, gorgeous place. It's like what everyone does. It's quite generic. Yeah. We want to go somewhere that's like, a bit random. Like I heard about this, but you jump on a zip line yeah. from the airport and it zips like and you zip line or you get an um you paraglide to the hotel. That's epic. Imagine like that, for me, that for me sounds like something pretty cool. Like you get to the airport, you drop your bags off and they go, right, to get to your hotel, you gotta jump on the paraglider and you just get to I'm like, yeah, let's off do your it. trot, let's go. Uh... <laughs> If you're not paragliding well, yeah, to your like, hotel, if I don't see this press article, we're not friends anymore, Ali. I'll be disappointed. I mean, by the way, obviously it's a two-way street. I don't know if the media's going to want to do that. But <laughs> my point is, what I'm trying to emphasise is we want to do something that's a little bit outside the box, something yeah. that's a little bit fun, something that's got a fun element to it, something that like we can look back on and go, we're never going to do it again. But that was really amazing still on a honeymoon. So it'll be hopefully... Our, you know, a honeymoon, a ho- you know, our, our last holiday. As, with, yeah. Because you know, I'd like to have children and we like to have a family. So it could be our last holiday without Just kids you and stuff, so. If you missed it, you can listen now at kmfm.co.uk. And finally, there's been a minute's applause in honour of Paul O'Grady at a venue in London where he used to perform. The comedian and presenter rose to fame as his drag alter ego Lily Savage at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern back in the 90s. He lived near Ashford before his death at the age of 67. You can listen to tributes in yesterday's episode of the podcast. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.